On this week's episode of The Pull, Danny's out of town for his honeymoon, so we're visited by a very special guest who white people will never be able to pronounce his last name. We talk about the latest King Kong trailer, what inspired him throughout his life, and his thoughts on The Arrival. Alright, so we are here today with my buddy, uh... Real long-time friend, Matt Mercurio, uh, Filipino-American actor. Uh, Matt, say what's up, dude. What's up, dude? Um, so, he's somebody that I've wanted to have on the show for a long time. Uh, Danny is in Washington, D.C. He just got married. I'm sure we'll talk all about that when he gets back. But uh, for today, we're going to go ahead and just sit down and talk. Um, do a little mini-interview with Matt. He's he's a real interesting dude. Um, and I'll get a few questions in there. But uh, we'll start with... a. A little bit of news, news bits first, just things coming into the theaters, some trailers that hey, we may or may not have seen, um, and then we'll get into the get into the meat of it. Um, so Matt and I were just talking about the Kong trailer. Um, what about the new King Kong movie to you is more appealing than like Peter Jackson's King Kong? Um, I don't know. For me, it just seemed to be much more of. A of a different take on it. You know, I appreciate Peter Jackson and everything he tries to do and um, his, uh, his like, classic remake and it was a time period and that's fine. I think we just had already seen that and I think we wanted to see something different and particularly for me, um, Godzilla that just came out was, it got fairly good reviews but I, I didn't like it uh, for whatever reason. I didn't like Aaron Johnson in it. I didn't like the pacing of it. Um, I I thought the uh, the promise of what we were given in the trailer was uh, was very different than what we actually got. And Brian Cranston died in <laughs> five ten minutes, which is everybody knows is probably going to be the best part of the movie. Yeah, and I think it was. I mean, yeah, I, it's been a while since I seen it. I only saw it once, but I'm pretty sure I walked out of that movie thinking, yeah, Brian. Cranston I mean, he definitely gave it like the heart. That it's. I mean, after he died, there really was no like heart left in no, the movie. No, no, and I and and for whatever reason, I don't know if this is because I thought that, or I was aware that Aaron Johnson and um, Elizabeth Olsen are brother and sister in, um, <laughs> in the second uh, Avengers. Avengers but yeah. the, but I just didn't buy their romance. I just um, it was weird, and and there was like some. Some like acting class scenes, kind of like cliches with their relationship that I yeah. wasn't particularly. I can feel that. And and don't they did they have a kid in that movie? They had a kid, and they look they all of like twenty five years old. The kid's like ten or some shit. I mean, which, you know what? Ha- it happens. You know, they particularly in um, like military families. You know, the husband's getting sent off, so they're trying to get their family started before. You know, so you know that that didn't bother me. I think. Going back to the Kong trailer, it's so much escapism is just happening in the trailer, which you saw a lot more comedy in the second trailer. And the the first trailer was a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of just like monster, yeah. a whole lot of like tension building. You were you were scared of Kong in this one, and I think that's that's what was missing in the last one. Um, you know, Peter Jackson tried to humanize Kong, which I appreciate, but um, we really. At least I wasn't. Never sensed any danger in the, in that Kong was unpredictable. Yeah, um, he was a nice Kong, and this Kong might be a nice Kong too. But uh, but he's he's also massive yeah. in this one, so that, he's, that he helps. He seems to have like 
he because in the old ones I don't feel like they put a lot of intention behind calling him King Kong, but they make a point of like bringing up the point that he's king of this island. Like John C. Riley mentions that they they almost like hail him as the king. Um, which having Riley in the new trailer like immediately infused a whole bunch of humor into the movie and like instantly made it a Spielbergian type of uh, blockbuster summer blockbuster that I think that we can all look forward to at the very least being entertaining yeah that's what I was going to ask was if you were okay with that injection of humor into it I'm always I'm always cool with humor as long as it's done in a way that assists the story and is in a way that's just like yeah we need to add jokes in this because this movie's super dark you know as long as there's intention and, and it's written well I mean, how can you? How can one not appreciate the humor? Yeah, I think um, I think that uh, having two different types of trailers is the first one being a little more serious, a little bit more horror based, mm-hmm. a little scarier. I think that uh, is going to help to spread the base of the audience uh, in terms of who comes to see the movie. Because when uh, initially, when the first when Peter Jackson's King Kong came out, th- they were thinking in terms of the movie breaking titanic type records yeah um and obviously it didn't and it was still a good movie but um and i don't know if this this will do that but obviously what they're trying to set up is is the idea of the king kong versus godzilla uh movies i don't know if that's something you guys had talked about in any of your previous Mm-mm. podcast but um so that's the the idea right to, yeah. to make this kong so big that he eventually is having a showdown with Godzilla, which, I, I you know, I think anybody can appreciate that unless you're, like, so much of a movie snob that, movie snob that you just hate all kinds of escapism. Yeah. Um, I agree. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, I, I, I'm excited for this one. I'm excited to, uh, to see what different things happen in this one. Um, yep. All right. Um, something that we did kind of touch on last week, and, and Danny hadn't seen the arrival, so I gave a very like vague, vague description of the movie. But your take when we walked out, um, as it usually is when we see a movie, was so, uh, so personal to to you almost. And uh, I, when I knew that I was going to have you on here, I was kind of interested in having you tell people what your takeaway from the arrival was because you did you you were so into it um so it's um it's difficult for me to break that down without uh without without revealing some spoiler stuff but i will certainly give it a go yeah um but my uh my initial reaction was similar to that of uh when i watched Interstellar, and when I watched Interstellar, and and I don't know, it, it probably needs a little more viewing, a couple viewings for me to like soak it in and see where I ultimately that movie belongs in my pantheon of sci-fi movies. But my initial reaction to Interstellar was just, um, well, I sobbed, I sobbed like a couple times. Interstellar, fair, fair. Um, and I and I um, and I didn't necessarily have that kind of reaction. During Arrival, although there is certainly, the movie has its fair share of tear-invoking moments. Um, 
but it was just written so well and crafted so well. I think even if you anticipate um, any sort of twists, because mm-hmm. um, because you had, we had talked about it, you anticipated. I think are we revealing a little too much? You, yeah, There's no not that ahead. there is go twists. Yeah, in no, it. I mean it's a podcast that we spoil things, um, so it's it's okay. But if you anticipate, even if you anticipate the twists, I think the movie was so well done that you can appreciate. Uh, just the way it's told. I think it's crafted in um, a, a less patient movie watcher might watch the beginning of The Arrival and be like, whoa, that movie was boring as fuck. You know, but <laughs> yeah. but if you pace yourself well and you're in the right mind frame to to go in and enjoy that type of movie, um, the slow pacing of it, uh, it's a it's a thinking person sci fi and as and as we evolve as our cinema evolves, um, I think sci fi can only go to places that are like heights that we've never seen yeah. thinking man sci-fis you know and, you know we can have some stoner comedy sci-fis yeah. too i'm sure there's plenty of room for that as well um but this is just uh it was just a great been a great couple months of cinema for me in terms of uh we went through quite a dry spell before that which we had talked seemed, about on it seemed there there had been a whole bunch of movies that I was just flat out disappointed with, and and they got good reviews. Like I wasn't I wasn't a fan of Finding Dory. Yeah, I I realized that it was a good movie, but it didn't capture the magic of uh, of any of the the first generation yeah. um, Pixar films. I don't know if you saw the the honest trailer of uh, of Finding Dory. Did you see it? I don't remember that I watching that. No, oh, it's fucking hilarious. It's basically my echoes the sentiments that I had when I walked out of the movie <laughs> that it was like a like it seemingly was a cash machine kind yeah, of movie and yeah. less heart like it was like basically certainly the, not on like a Cars 2 level though no not in Cars 2 I didn't even like Cars I thought I, that, I, I mean most people I don't even know that I finished Cars to be fair so that's you know that's kind of um, this is a bit of an interjection but did you see the Cars 3 trailer Wow, I didn't even know there was. Yeah, so I didn't know they. I didn't know either. I didn't know they were gonna jump the gun on the like Toy Story four, which was supposed to be a thing. But it's a teaser. I thought the Pixar head said that he wasn't. He didn't want to do any more sequels. I mean, I mean aside from Incredibles, Lasseter's doing it, and they got the preview, and it's fucking, it's depressing, dude. Like, it, it opens with it with them having a race, like Me Queen still racing, and then it jumps to slow mo, and he crashes. And he starts flipping, and he's being demolished. Oh, and so it's like some Rocky Three like, kind of. Type I think so thing. because then it says fall to he falls yeah, from grace. Yeah, kind, kind of. of. And it's like from this point, everything changes. And then the Cars Three logo in black. See, were they referring to that or the Pixar theory? That'd be hilarious if they were like, you know what? Let's just fucking go ahead and attach it. To I feel Pixar like theory. at some point. They've gotten their hands on it, right? Because it's such a trending article. Yeah. And if you haven't checked out the Pixar theory, uh, do yourself a favor and check out. Uh, give give it a good read. It's a, yeah. maybe like a thirty minute read at least. But yeah. like once you start absorbing it, if you've seen all the uh, Pixar movies, it's incredible mm-hmm. and it's and it's a whole lot of fun. I don't know if the new movies like Inside Out, Good Dinosaur, um, what else came out. Finding uh, Dory 2. Finding or, Dory. Or yeah. Finding Dory, Dory 2. 2. Please don't make that. <laughs> we don't want to see Finding Dory 2. Options. Probably might. I mean, everybody loves Ellen DeGeneres, as do I, but I just I don't want to see Finding Dory 2. 
um, they might be do they might do the the whale you lost know? again the whale who are they? yeah yeah like, yeah she was cute I forget her name the whale shark yeah uh-huh. or or the the seals they could do a spinoff of that but please don't <laughs> um, so yeah they could they. I assume at some point they heard of the Pixar theory. Somebody who is a higher up read about it and yeah. thought, whoa, this is fascinating. And much like the people who aren't in Illuminati, who just throw up Illuminati symbols to like to uh, perpetuate like paranoia and like secrets, <laughs> um, they, they could just be like, hey, does this fit with the Pixar theory? I don't know, but let's do it. That would be hilarious. Um we got from Arrival to Pixar. I don't oh, yeah, yeah. D- uh, so, Arrival, uh, again, without spoiling anything, I just had such a... Um, there, there's two scenes in particular where I just... It breaks you out of sci-fi yeah. for a moment. Because it's... it's uh, it's. I don't know. What Would you, would you say that it's... Um, freaking blank in here. More of a character movie or a, a plot driven? I think I, it's it's fair to say that it's it's pretty balanced in both. Yeah. And for for anybody who has an interest in in just seeing uh, story driven movies, it's a hell of a story. Um, and at the very least, you can't say that it's it's a story that's been done before. You can't yeah. say it's a cliche story. And and just with the cast that they have with Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner. I just feel like you that's always a guarantee that you're going to get a good performance and when the script is written as well as it was in the arrival yeah um you just get a great movie yeah so, Jeremy Jeremy Renner to me is one of those guys that's like never not good but like he, even if he gets stuck with a shitty character, like so many people hate on Hawkeye. I don't hate Hawkeye. I think but, Hawkeye's dope. Yeah, so do I. But so many people think he's the joke of the franchise to them. That's some bullshit. I, I will say that in Avengers Two, it was so unnecessary that they stopped at Hawkeye's house. I liked that shit, man. I like it too. I thought it was cool. But like, if we're talking, I'm using a wrestling term here that John knows. Yeah. Look, look it up if you don't know it. In kayfabe terms. Yeah. If in the in the story, if like all this shit is happening all around the world and they're just like, yo, let's just go to Hawkeye's house and chill for a moment. <laughs> like that's kind of, uh, you know, it's kind of. <laughs> that's true. I guess. You know, they're all, they're all back chopping wood and you got Ultron running around. It's like, that's true. Okay. I can feel you on something. that. Um, but yeah, so once again, I, I liked Arrival uh, and Matt made a point and maybe I brought it up last week that. Uh, it, it's one of those movies that takes multiple viewings. He certainly loved it the first time. I just wasn't ready for that because there was a there was a UFC fight that night. And my head was just like looking oh, for something night. else. Yeah, we had a full sports day and then a movie and then a, a yeah. more some more sports. Fucking lot going on. Um, to 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 just to give fair balance to because you credited Jeremy Renner. I mean, let's talk about Amy Adams. Who's oh yeah for who's sure good in. Everything. Yeah, no, she's never not bad. I did see someone. Someone did shit on her lowest lane that I saw, Um, but I feel like that's more of like a writing. I mean, listen, if you're gonna hate on like her lowest lane, like can you hate on like Miles Teller in Fantastic Four? And the answer is yes, but like, is that their fault? I don't. I don't necessarily know. Those movies, like those are all those two actors I just mentioned are fantastic actors, and I'm not blaming. The director or editor or producer, but like, you know, 
obviously Fantastic Four was not a good movie. We'll say that. That's not the movie Josh Trank wanted to make. Yeah. Um, and and Snyder's Batman versus Superman, it, it wasn't the Batman versus Superman that he wanted to make. So. Um, but yeah, Amy, I, Amy, I had said, uh, I, I think as hard as it is for the Academy to really put their confirmation bias aside and vote for anything that isn't like super straightforward drama a lot of the times it seems um if they were willing to say hey there's aliens in this movie oh well then i would i would give her a nod for for best actress at this point we've got a lot of stuff coming out but yeah we're about to get a a, a huge flow of contenders in the next coming weeks and days um but uh yeah, so we'll cut this. Uh, I can't imagine this podcast will be as long as it usually goes. So uh, we'll go ahead and uh, move on now. I kind of want to let you guys know a little bit more about Matt. Give him a chance to talk about probably a lot of things that are turn out to be goofy because that's just how him and I end up getting. But um, So I mentioned that Matt is an actor, and that was kind of underselling what he does. Matt, Matt's a great writer. Uh, Matt is a fantastic poet. Um and an actor on top of all of that stuff. He's somebody that in the entertainment realm makes sure that he knows how to do everything that may be asked of him. Um, just that type of artist. Um, and I guess a fair question for everybody listening that doesn't know you um, or that might know you and hasn't heard this before. What is it that kind of when you were younger was like, hey, I think I want to try this acting thing? Um. So I, I had always wanted to get into acting because I had always been a sort of uh, overactive, theatrically inclined sort of child. But being that I'm a first generation American, it wasn't necessarily something that was encouraged or um, or like even achievable within like within the the frame that has been put in front of me by whomever you know because it was just like oh this is it it's it's wasn't a thing that was practical mm-hmm. maybe still isn't a thing that's practical yeah. you know um but so it wasn't something that it, uh, uh i was necessarily told to reach for even though something that i i if i you know, had someone around me telling me that hey you can do this or you can do that, then, you know, I would, I would have certainly chose it. But for me, it was, uh, I was a class clown in, um, in middle school. And so I was always cutting up, trying to get, uh, girls' attentions and things of that nature. (laughs) Always bending the (laughs) rules, never breaking them. Um, and, uh, sort of became regular with, uh, the deans in my middle school. It wasn't one of those things where it was like, you know, it, it was like we were friendly. It yeah. was like one of those things where it was like, Mr. Mercurio, I don't want to see you in my office again this yeah. week. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha, Doc. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, and so, uh, and then they wanted to find a way to focus my energies in a different way. And uh, and in seventh grade, I had that opportunity. Um, and instead, my mother <laughs> made me take computer programming. Sweet. Uh, sweet. Because uh, I'm applying that right now. No, but we... Um, so then I was in computer programming with Miss Goldman. Uh, shout out, shout out, Miss Goldman. She, she's our number one. <laughs> she's fan, the number bro. one fan. Um, but she, uh, <laughs> she was teaching us a program that is so like 
behind that it was like probably uh, not even Windows programming. Like we're talking like <laughs> binary numbers and like matrix numbering, like zero one zero one zero one zero one. Like I don't even know so you're how really to explain like it or articulate it. Yeah, like um, but but we weren't really tested on it because I couldn't tell you. Uh, I couldn't tell you how to do any of the things that we uh, that we had to do, or maybe it was one of those things that I knew at the time that I forgot. Yeah, like when you take a history test and you're like, "Yeah, I aced that," mm-hmm. and then later on somebody asks you and you're like, "Wow, I didn't absorb any of that." Mm-hmm. Um, so then I fought through, and then eighth grade, I convinced my mom, "Mom, let me go in drama," and then I excelled from there, and then. Uh, and then ninth grade, I had a woman named Jan Wickstrom, uh, who uh, who played a really big part in just like inspiring me because she was my drama teacher. And she, uh, after a performance one day, she came up to me after class and she was like, "Hey, you're you're really good at this. You should consider uh, mm-hmm. you should consider giving a go at this." And I, you know, I like whatever that means. Yeah, it meant like just being more serious about it. And I think after. Uh, after I had uh, abandoned my uh, <laughs> my amateur sports dreams, you know, and my uh, coll- well, my collegiate sports um, pursuits, then uh, I went full bore into the artistic pursuits, and then it's been uh, it's been the thing that's enveloped my life ever since. No, was there like circa two thousand four? I think. Yeah, yeah. I. Uh... I, I know some of these things, but um, was was there like anything you were you were a huge fan of like watching as a kid that you were just like, oh my god, I want to like, I want to do and be and shit like this. I mean, because well, I know like like what your favorite like movies are, and I don't know if those if those at all when you were a kid kind of made you think about acting or if that was just like no, I mean, I mean, as you know, I'm a huge pro wrestling enthusiast, and so. Like that, that's a big part of my like theatricality and my big personality. And so that was something that maybe led me on that path. But like my, my acting inspirations, I don't know if I'm answering this question, stop me if I'm, I'm not, but my acting inspirations were, um, as a kid were Will Smith in, in Fresh Prince, uh, Michael J. Fox and everything. And, um, and like you know, different other shows on Nick at Night, like like <laughs> like the Fonz and Happy Days, like those those were like three fictional gentlemen that I aspired to be. Yeah, and I think those three figures sort of molded the personality that I am today. I think if you get to know me and you hear like that, those are the characters that I like, yeah. influence me. You're like ah, oh, yeah. Okay, I, I and I th- I think if I think. When you, because you said Michael J. Fox and everything, and then three fictional characters. You're alluding to Marty McFly as his fictional character. I mean, just just everything. Or, you okay. know, him and his Teen um, Wolf, Teen Wolf, and in Family Ties, he, Michael J. Fox is just like a cool dude. You know, and, and so uh, we had a bunch of old VHSs that my dad had like copied from like his friend. <laughs> throwback piracy. Throwback piracy, and and we. Don't do it now because that's how I make a living. Um, but so we had a whole bunch of tapes, and there were certain movies that I watched over and over. And Back to the Future, uh, one and two, I just grew up on those movies. Like I can quote them to excess, yeah. to annoyance, to this day. That and Home Alone one and two. 
Um, yeah, not not some great philosopher or some like you know <laughs> or poetry or Shakespeare. Back to the Future Two, one, two, and Home Alone one and two. Um, yeah, I don't know if that answers it. Yeah, no, 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 definitely did. So as one of the things I forgot to mention about Matt that kind of makes him unique is is that he is this like wrestling. I, I don't know if if he'd be okay with the word savant, but like I don't know if that if that's over or underselling it, but just like this dude knows so much about wrestling. Um and when so when you were younger and watching wrestling, obviously you went to high school and did a little wrestling in high school. Um that was kind of around the time I met you. He was like ROTC wrestling and acting, which like how a high school kid managed to do all of that shit is insane to me but also like, did tv production and football tv production football so like at one point this dude was just like no time for anything but somehow had time for everything um just not academics that was yeah that was what <laughs> <laughs> um stay in school kids but um what what like storylines and, and a lot of people might not be familiar so this is a good educational opportunity for them but what was it when you like started seeing wrestling was was it the storylines that grabbed you or was it just like Cool, these guys are fucking kicking each other's asses. No, I th- um so so again, I'm a big fan of escapism, right? It allows you to just like go to a different place and and it's just so much fun. And and wrestling particularly WWE, which is what I grew up on, WWF at the time. Um has these had these fantastical type characters, right? They had a garbage man and like mm-hmm. a pig farmer and like a clown and like you you know the Undertaker, and yeah. Dead Man gimmick, all these gimmicks. So you had all these like larger than life characters, and as a kid, those were easy to latch onto. And not only did I have that, but I had um, my cousins who were like older cousins who were like teen boys and and um, entering their adolescence and and just were younger. So were you guys, like, kicking each other's asses? No, no, no. I was much younger. I'm saying, like, I was two, three, and and four when I would watch them do, like, cut promos with my father's, like, video camera um, that he had, and they'd play with that, and they'd wrestle, uh, and they'd, like, cut promos on each other in the bedroom, and then they'd just be slamming each other on the bed and just, like, you know, just roughhousing with each other. And so as a two, three, four-year-old, like, just watching that, I was like, oh, man, that's so much fun. And then... uh, and then it just became a thing that, uh, you know, you, it's like buffoonish and just cartoonish and easy to watch sometimes, especially at the time. And then I remember there was one point, because my grandmother and I watched wrestling together. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one point my mom made me turn it off, and I was like in tears. I think I was like six years old. And then my grandma like turned on the TV. She snuck it, and she was like, nah, we can watch it. <laughs> and so then we ended up watching it, and... I don't know what the point of that story is, but yeah. it just it just it's just a point in my life that I realized that yeah. wrestling was pretty big and I can like attach that to one of the most important people in my life, my grandmother. And uh and uh no, and then it b- became a certain point when you're a kid and you come to terms with the fact that wrestling is fake. Mm-hmm. Which when I did, that was tough, but ultimately when I did, there's a shift in your thinking, right? Yeah. So you so you move from Oh, this is real. To oh, this is this is an art form, because you're you're realizing that what they're doing is not real, and and there's things behind it, and you're getting uh, a look at some of the behind the scenes things, and and the psychology behind it. Oh, why would they do this in the storyline? Why would they make this character do that? 
when you think about it, when you have like 40, 30 year storylines and then you have like grown men and women hurting themselves and working day and night to improve their bodies so they can compete, quote unquote, in a, in a scripted, quote unquote, sport. No, but it, it's, it requires athletic yeah, ability. Absolutely. Like you just have to admire the sacrifice. And so when, when those guys and girls um, ascend to the top and they're truly emotional about it, like that's so rewarding for any person who works hard at anything to see. Mm-hmm. I don't know how like you can dismiss that as a frivolous, like, oh, pro wrestling is so dumb. Like, y- yeah, it, it, like that they realize that. They realize the concept of it isn't, like we're, they're not put, trying to put on Shakespeare. It's yeah, not absolutely. trying to be profound. Actually, no. But ironically, yeah, I I, ironically, it is Shakespeare. Yeah. That's what Shakespeare was. It was interactive with the audience, and they got people to 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 boo and to yeah. cheer loudly. And it's like Shakespeare with heightened stage combat. Yeah, it's like multi-million dollar arena Shakespeare, basically. Yeah, basically, twice a week, sometimes three times, depending on. Yeah, and and obviously, there's fans that watch it that aren't looking past some of the the the, the deeper things yeah. that are going on. But um, wrestling, if you let it it's cool so so if somebody like wanted to and i don't know i'm gonna we're gonna sit here and like convert anybody obviously i've talked about the little bit of history i have with wrestling and real quick there's a parallel between us i didn't really realize existed um so you and your grandma watched wrestling which was a mcmahon family uh property like me and my grandma watched xfl when i was a kid like I couldn't tell you a single XFL team now in retrospect, but like it was the coolest shit to me. She came to visit us when we lived in California, like, and like a few days later, I had like an XFL football. It was the coolest thing I'd ever seen, it, which was weird because it wasn't really all that different from regular football. I just remember like he hated no, but me. they did. Yeah, they made an effort with the colors and the yeah. costumes to make it look like it was a sci-fi. Yeah, it was. Of. Yeah, it was almost like futuristic uh, team names and things. And then. You picked your own name for your jersey, so guys had nicknames and shit like that, which was cool. Um, but yeah, um, so if somebody was to like get into wrestling, um, and you were try- you would try to give them like a practical place to start, so that they weren't like scared away, but they also got the essence of what it has been all these years. Like, where would you where would you make them start? My my go to wow, that's really tough. Yeah, my go to is, and it's partially biased because it was like. You you were all encompassing for me. It was like I saw this one character, Undertaker, and was like, "This is it. This is all that I need." And it was like Undertaker was my tunnel vision. But like for you, it's all encompassing. So it could be even grander than that. And before Undertaker, even because you had guys like Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan, um, Macho Man. I, I remember at one point when I was a child, I prayed. I, I prayed for Hulk Hogan to win. <laughs> Like, cause I couldn't watch the pay-per-views. I ended up watching the pay-per-view through the TV, through like, through like the buzz, like the bad signal on the lines. I would listen through it and hear what was going on. Um, yeah, I was passionate. Uh, I still am. And, uh, just in a different way. But yeah, so at one point I was, I was, Hulk Hogan was over in my mind, but yeah, it was macho. It was, uh, ultimate warrior. It was. Shawn Michaels was a big one. I, for oh, me, yeah. so, so going back to that, like asking um, where I would start, I think the Attitude Era is a good time to start. But uh, like when Christine and I started dating, obviously she had to start to get to know it because it was a big part of my personality. Yeah. Because she cares about me so deeply, she's going to 
she's going to yeah. learn about it. And uh-huh. so she did. And so naturally she just eased into it. She started watching it with me and mm. she'd ask me questions and I'd guide her through and I'd explain things yeah. unsolicited or not. I just like, <laughs> pause it and be like, okay, so this is what's happening with this. And, and so that's so hard because I, I want to say like, just watch it now and you'll eventually catch up to speed. Uh, I don't want to be a hypocrite because, uh, <laughs> I want to say just start watching it now and you'll find out the explanations as it goes on. But yeah. I'm one of those people who like won't start watching a TV season and, unless I've started it at the very beginning. Yeah. Um, just because I like to know the origin and, and the depth of the story and how the story progresses. So that being said, um, there's eras and time periods of eras where you can, uh, where you can start and you can – Essentially, it's a clean slate, mm-hmm. and you, there's a backstory and history of characters. But there's a lot of TV shows and movies where there's like uh, the char- the character has existed before yeah. the story. It's like in Medeus Res, Latin term for in the middle, and and um, stuff's already happening. So um, kind of like like I, this is just is equal. Not this is even cheesier, but it's like it's like if you were to watch one of those later seasons of like Power Rangers, and all of a sudden fucking Tommy shows up. Right, like, you, you go online and you're yeah. like, yo, who is this dude? Who is fucking Tommy, yeah. Um, you know, and the same thing with, with anything. Like, when, when when Tim Burton's Batman came out, like, yeah, there was a little bit of backstory about it, but I'm sure there was people who went and they went to go get the comic books afterwards yeah. and they're like, yo, I want to know more about Batman. Yeah. Let me look at all these origin stories. And I think that's the same thing with wrestling. Obviously, like, I have no, like, I have no investment in WWE, but... WWE Network is definitely like uh, a thing to get because if you get WWE Network, you can slowly click in all the histories in of all the uh, the different eras and different wrestlers and different rivalries yeah. and different pay per views. And it's such an expansive library. I believe, like in terms of and for how much per month is that? Nine ninety nine. Nine ninety nine. No, but I believe in terms of uh, in terms of streaming services. Uh, WWE probably has the most expensive library of all of them. Yeah, it goes back a long fucking time. Probably more than like than Netflix, Amazon. Uh, I don't know this for sure. I'm pulling this out of my butt, <laughs> but like he's gonna sell you on it. No, but I'm like I, I feel like I've seen that quote. I yeah. feel like on WWE Network there's a quote that says like all other streaming services need to learn from WWE Network. <laughs> it's like on the network. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, check it out if you're if you're into wrestling. There's also plenty of podcasts that talk about wrestling, um, which I've been trying to start a pot wrestling podcast for years. Well, someday, one day, someday, y'all uh, heard it. If you if you like that idea, you can uh, let Matt follow know. me on Twitter. Except for oh. I don't have a Twitter. So. Oh, not yet, oh, not yet. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, I think uh, I think WWE Network is a good place to start. And then uh, wrestling podcasts? Question mark. Hey, if y'all want a wrestling podcast, let us know. We can uh, hook your boy up with the with the wrestling podcast. Now, with with wrestling, it's it's like let's be real. It's it's live action action figures. So like when you were a kid, were action figures like an equal part of that fandom and like your creativity and things like that? Yeah, I mean. I, I always make a joke that action figures was the, were like the first plays that I were di- was directing. Like, yeah. 
Because those action figures are your actors, and you set up your stage, and you're giving them lines, and yeah. you're telling them where to go, and you you know you making sure everything is uh, everything goes along with the storyline. Like if if one of your homies or one of your family members came and they're like, "I'm going to put this action figure here," you'd be like, "No, no, 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 no. that person doesn't go there because this is happening." One hundred percent true. Uh, yeah, I think action figures is still like uh, it's a shame, dude, that action figures are going to be, like, out of style one day, that people are just going to have video games. Yeah, and I kind of, I mean, I, I certainly feel that way, too, because I was a big action figure fan. I'm pretty sure my mom has all my toys still, but, like... I had to give them all away. Yeah? Yeah, I think... Damn. I, I think I have, like, a box of some, like, some of my more favorite ones. I, I still remember, it, no shit. So, like, me and Matt have known each other 12 years. Um, and... Almost, yeah, almost 12 years. And the first time I went to your house, your PS2 was in the entertainment center, your controller. You had SmackDown versus Raw 2. And and then, like... Did I? Yeah, because that shit was, like, PS2. And so... It was SmackDown? Yeah, yeah, SmackDown versus Raw was, yeah, PS2, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, and you had a few fucking, like, action figures that were still, like... Chilling there, yeah. It was just like a distinct memory I have the first time of being at your parents' house. I don't know for the life of me what they were, but I remember just being like, "Damn, Matt's even fucking cooler than I thought he was." Like, I didn't feel alone for having played with action figures anymore, because like I was a kid. It was like when I had my action figures, nobody else, unless they were younger than me, wanted to like play with action figures. And uh, I've told this story before, and. Uh, I, I hope my mom doesn't hear this, but, like, I had my mom buy a friend an action figure for his birthday so that I knew he would let me borrow that shit. Oh, yeah, you told me this. Yeah, birthday. so that it, it was fucking the leader of the Gorgons from... Uh, Archer, Emissary yeah, Gorgonites. Archer, yeah, because yeah. I had um, Major Chip Hazard, and that was, like, my favorite fucking toy. So I was like, I'm going to oh. get him Archer, and we can play together, Mom. It, Dustin will love it. And then his birthday, I was like, hey, bro, you mind if I borrow this? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, no problem, because he didn't fucking want that he action didn't want figure. Uh, so I, I, my mom probably figured it out when she saw toys laying on my floor. But um, did you have a go-to action figure? So, like, that was your favorite? I had a lot. So I loved um, the, seri- the, the Marvel series that was based on the animated ser- X-Men series and the, and those spi- and the the figures that were based on the Spider-Man toys. Mm-hmm. So I had a couple go-tos. I loved the Ninja Turtles, still do. Mm-hmm. Loved Batman figures, still do. But the Batman figures specifically from Batman the animated series. Yeah. Uh, I probably had like nine different Batman Batman Lightning Strike Force, Batman Sewer uh, Maintenance Batman, you know, <laughs> like like Batman uh, Thanksgiving Bakery Batman. Like, just, I had every Batman, and then I had two Spider-Mans that were particularly awesome. One of them I accidentally gave away, heartbroken. It was like an accident. We did a toy swap, and, like, I oh, left no. that one in the bag. Dude! So heartbroken. <laughs> um, so the Spider-Mans, X-Men, like, figures, the, the obscure ones, um, those were the best ones, because they were, like... Because I didn't know what the heck the storyline was. Yeah. So I could create my own storyline. Yeah. Them, and they were so detailed. Because Marvel comes out with some awesome figures. So, uh, again, Marvel. <laughs> Sorry, I keep reiterating. Marvel, Batman, um, Ninja Turtles, 
so there was a Toxic Avenger cartoon. Yeah. I had a bunch of those yeah. um, figures because they were like $3 bin toys because nobody else wanted them. Uh-huh. So um, you, did you have Toxie himself? Yes, I did. He had an orange mop. Um, he had an orange mop. He had sneaks on. I forgot what else he had. I had Toxie. I had like the main bad guy. Who was uh, the main bad guy? Was it a rat or some shit like that? No, the main bad guy had like a Bane type mask. Okay. And he looked like, it was like Vince McMahon mixed, <laughs> WWE CEO Vince McMahon mixed with um, the bad guy from the last Mad Max. What is his name? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What is his name? Fuck. Uh, we're going to IMDB that shit because there's no excuse for me to be forgetting this. Let me see if I can remember this. before you tell me. All right, all right. We play this game. Matt is like the master of six degrees from Kevin Dick Bacon. Kevin Dick? <laughs> Kevin Dick Bacon. Um, oh, that was weird. Oh, edit. <laughs> we're going to some weird places. Um, oh, okay, yeah. Um, I'll remember. Just keep keep going. Okay. Do you want to just tell me so it doesn't bother the hell out of me? <laughs> you changed your mind so quick. And Morton Joe. And Morton Joe. I was gonna like I was thinking of a name like Ed Ed Gein came up. I'm like, oh, that's not. So it was Vince McMahon and Morton Joe. Yeah. So then I had that, and then and then oddly enough, I had okay. So Wheeler from Wheeler from uh, Captain Planet. Okay. I had this yellow hover chair that was basically like a wheelchair. Yeah. And then I also had a, which I somehow got from my cousin, I had a Patrick Stewart from Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and he was bald, and he looked like Professor X. So I put him in the wheelchair. Dude, you were a prophet, bro. I, Holy shit. I put that shit to fruition, <laughs> and I had Professor <laughs> X in the yellow wheelchair, and he was wheeling around because the yellow... Um, chair looked just like the one X made the animated series yeah. and I had Patrick Stewart as my Professor X. Damn. Prophesized and, that shit. And so, you know, like obviously you have much simpler storylines when you're a kid. And I basically had the good guy faction and the bad guy faction. Yeah. And to me, in my head there was a headquarters where all the good guys were like at the water cooler, like, Who are you stopping today? You know? Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. it was that type of thing. And uh and and Professor X seemed to be somewhere near the top in terms of Keeping everyone in line, so he 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 played a big part for sure. Patrick Stewart, shout out. Who's your who's your bad guy? Your favorite bad guy, or, or, or the most often? Wow, I had the cool Venom, and my sister bought me for Christmas one year. Um, Dang, I never had a Venom. That's one I never had. Some Xenomorphs were like. You know, because even as a kid, I had a conscience, a conscience, and I didn't want to, like, hurt some of these. Yeah. So if they were faceless, like, emotionless beings, like the xenomorphs, then it was easier for me to take them out. Yeah. You know? It was, <laughs> it was just like, oh, we can bomb this facility because, yeah. like, there's a bunch of, like, evil beings in here. Um, Darth Maul, I think, ended up being my favorite bad guy after a while. I don't remember. But he was so dude. small. I, I think I made certain things. So the, the, there was this giant T-Rex from the dollar store. Yeah. That was plastic as heck, but uh, it was pretty cool. The dollar was, store had some bomb shit sometimes. No, it does. I, mean, I think you've got to be like, you know, if you're using your imagination, if you're like a toy snob, then like, 
you know, obviously stay away. But if yeah. you can, if you can use your uh, imagination to create some cool scenarios, then like dollar store was the jam. Yeah. I don't remember, dude. I don't remember my main thing. Damn. Damn. Oh. Um. All right. Well, uh, like I said, this is probably gonna be a little bit shorter of a podcast. I'll probably go ahead and wrap there. We're all getting ready to get on the road for Thanksgiving. So, um, but Kenny's gonna be here. Yeah, Kenny will be around. Um, so, I just wish all y'all a happy Thanksgiving. James will be here. Uh, Kenny, James, Todd, uh, will all be at our residence. Um, in an unknown location. But, uh, Thanks for tuning in. We'll have Matt around some other time. Danny's excited to get to talk to him at some point. Matt's got some big things coming up in the future that uh, I won't spoil for him or everyone else here. Um, but uh, I'll talk to you all next week with Danny. And uh, as always, peace. Peace. This has been a Pool Network production. For your latest dose of movies, television, and whatever the fuck, tune in each Wednesday. And since we know you just can't get enough, don't forget to find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for information on new shows and events.